Flint Hill Baptist Church exists to glorify God by gathering, growing, giving, and going in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Find out more at flinthill.net. Man, what a, what a joy it is to be in the house of the Lord. Man, just a, <clears throat> just a, just a sweet time of... Uh, Worshiping the Lord this morning. I mean, just a sweet time. Great prayer meeting this morning already. Uh, just, a, just a great time to be in the house of the Lord. And uh, let, let me just, I, I'm probably going to say a couple things, but let me just go ahead and invite you to come back tonight at 6 o'clock. We don't normally have services on Sunday night. Uh, this is something we did once last year and probably going to do at least once a quarter. Uh, <clears throat> we're going to gather up and just really just uh, to pray and uh, to praise the Lord but also to pray unto the Lord, to, to come together as a body of Christ and begin to listen to the Lord together. And that's really the whole context. Uh, the theme tonight is Psalm 51. kind of goes in line with what uh, the Lord's just already, even this morning, just singing, praising Him for what He's done, just breaking our hearts before the Lord. Anyway, just want to invite you to come be a part of that. Um, man, I, we got it up on the on the, on the. The screens, Romans chapter 3, if you will, uh, turn with me there, chapter 3, verse 21 through 26. Uh, the title of the message is, uh, it's all about grace. All about grace. And we've sung about that this morning already. I, I'm telling you, it's just a beautiful thing. It's all about grace. Romans chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. The Bible uh, says, but now a righteousness from God apart from the law has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be the just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, let me just pause here just for a moment because earlier I was thinking about this and, and you know, I know you know and I know you've been praying for those that have been... Uh, that were in harm's way with all these tornadoes that ripped through our state earlier on Thursday. And uh, I just want to pause. Just pray with me. Father, we just want to come before you in the name of Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that we can gather here this morning. God, there are people this morning that are, that are in, the in our state that are, that are struggling in so many different ways. Uh, maybe have lost everything that they had in that moment, but Lord... Uh, I pray that in the midst of grief, in the, in the midst of suffering, God, that you would shine and that you would just reveal yourself to those. Father, there are some that have lost their life and their families are struggling and hurting. And I pray that, 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 that through the grief, God, that you would make yourself known as a God of all comfort. God, I pray, I pray for those that are in harm's way. God, that you would just reveal yourself. God, there are, there are first responders on the scene. There are people... Even uh, Christians there serving and helping in disaster relief right now. And I just pray, God, your protection upon them. And Lord, that you would use this as a bridge to lead people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That somehow, someway, even in the midst of great tragedy, there'd be great triumph. And someone, just someone, 
Father, maybe even this morning that would give their life to Christ. God, help us now, Lord, as we get into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. It's all about grace. It's all about grace. Uh, in this text, I, I just really kind of, I'm going to use this as a launching pad, so you're going to have to stay with me. In fact, some of y'all probably know this because on uh, Wednesday night, we, we've done a, uh, started a new format. I'd love for you to come be a part of it at 630. It's called Worship on Wednesdays. Uh, we're going to worship, we're going to get in the Word, and we're going to pray. And, um, and, I, and we have a memory verse for the month of January. By the way, let me give a little shout out to that little app. I don't know the name of it. Gavin's got it. Uh, and he kept encouraging me about it and all this stuff. And I'm like, nah. And then some, I think Mallory got it <laughs> and some others got it and used it. Well, I downloaded it. My phone for the longest time wouldn't download. You know what I'm saying? It was one of the, they wanted me to upgrade. And I, y'all know what I'm talking about? And they said it's no longer whatever. Well, some, somebody did something because now it'll download something now. So I guess they decided I wasn't going to upgrade from an iPhone 6. And, uh, and <laughs> y'all know, I know some of y'all thinking, what? Well, I just use it to talk and text. And, and I know some of y'all going, what a 6? When was that done? Now, anyway, um, but, but they... But they do it now. But I'm just telling you the app. Just get with Gavin or somebody or Mal or somebody. It's really good for scripture memory. Anyway, this passage is our scripture memory for January. Or some of these, but not all of it. And I'm not going to digest all this stuff this morning. But this is going to be a launching pad for me of talking about it's all about grace. And I really want to focus on uh, well, several verses. But 23 we kind of know uh, fairly well. I, I know you've heard this. Uh, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Is that me? Boom. It's probably my headdress. I'm doing something wrong. I don't know. Huh? Is it? What is it? The uh, the, thank you, Roy. It was in our <laughs> inside joke. You had to be in a prayer meeting this morning for that one. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> that was good. That was good. You, you're making me laugh. All right. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we, we've heard that so many times. It's the Romans road to salvation. Right after that in verse 24. And, and, and are justified freely by His grace. Uh, I am overwhelmed uh, this morning about the grace of God. The grace of God. Uh, freely by His grace. What is God's grace? Uh, you know, many definitions will tell us um, it is God's unmerited favor. That sounds so professional. Unmerited means that it was not adequately earned or deserved. There's not a one of us here today that, that deserves God's grace. It's unmerited meaning that we can't achieve it. You can't work for it. You can't be good enough to earn it. Uh, God's grace is unmerited. It's a favor from God that comes with a whole lot of gifts from it. In fact, many theologians have you know, kind of taking this God's grace, you know, God, in other words, uh, even in our fallen state, I, I, we say that, I'm not sure we really grasp how fallen we really are. I mean, the Bible says that Jesus went to that cross while we were yet sinners, while we were yet separate, fallen, no hope, no future, no heaven whatsoever. Yet God freely grants to all of us good things we don't deserve. And the greatest of these things is Jesus Christ. Salvation. Heaven. I mean, there's so many wonderful, great gifts that God's given us out of this grace that He has given to us. By the way, grace um, is the thread throughout the Scripture. Um, 
J. Gresham Meckin, uh, makes this statement. He says, The very center and core of the whole Bible is the doctrine of the grace of God. The works of God in creation as well as His covenants, His promises, His word, His work in redemption, all spring from grace, His grace. All we have, he says, is due to grace. And it's actually in God's grace. I mean, think about this. The greatest thing he gives is nothing less than himself. The Bible says that as a child of God, a born-again believer in Christ, that God now inhabits this body, that the Holy Spirit of God, the holy presence of God, has deemed me and you, every child of God, worthy to be recipients of him, no less. That he is with us, never going to leave us. And that, it's just a beautiful, mind-blowing, incredible thing. Uh, J.I. Packer says this statement. He says, grace is simply God's love demonstrated towards those who deserve the opposite. Make no mistake about that. Uh, God's grace is his gift giving life. Um, the Bible says that Jesus Christ brought to man the grace he was already. In other words, he is the eternal son uh, with the Trinity, full of grace and truth, that John chapter 1 says. So in receiving grace from the Lord Jesus Christ, we participate in his divine fullness of the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. God's grace, unmerited favor, mind-boggling. I'll be honest with you, it just blows my mind how much God loves me and you. I think one of the hymns we just sang, just, I mean, I stand amazed. I stand amazed in the presence of the Lord uh, that God would love somebody like me. And I want to share with you, I want to share with you uh, several things here. I think I have five statements here that I want to share. We're going to kind of unpack a little bit. God's grace, what, what does it do for us? Because God's grace is actively at work in our hearts and our lives today as children of God. First and foremost, one thing I want to make a statement of, God's grace saves me. It's only by God's grace that we're even saved. We talk about salvation and redemption. In fact, in verse 24, and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. That word redeem means to purchase or release from captivity. We were held in captivity to sin, to death, hell, and the grave. That was what we literally before Christ. Or if you're without Christ today, that is all you have to hope for is death, hell, and the grave. That's all there is. But in Christ, Christ purchased us. He made a ransom, paid a ransom for us. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking, did not come to be served, but to serve. And what? To give His life as a ransom for many. For those that would come to Him, that would be called by His name, He was a ransom. He paid a debt that we should have paid. Honestly, we, it was us. It was, we're the ones that strayed. We're the ones that sinned, went away. We should have paid the debt for our own sin, but we couldn't. We can't. That's, that's the hopelessness of the state that we've been in. The Life Application Bible makes this statement about this verse in Mark 10, 45. It says, this verse reveals not only the motive of Jesus' ministry, but also the basis of our salvation. A ransom was the price paid to release a slave in the first century. Jesus paid the ransom for us because we could not pay it. His death on the cross was payment that satisfied completely, praise the Lord, the sin debt, and released us from our slavery to sin. I mean, He released us, set us free. Hallelujah. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.8 that it is by grace that we've been saved through faith, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. God has demonstrated His grace to us by paying a ransom for me and you. He redeemed us, set us free 
from the power and the penalty of sin. The wages of sin is death. You know that in the Scripture. But praise be to God, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The only way we can participate in life everlasting is through grace, through Jesus alone. Uh, there's a hymn. Probably, you probably know this hymn. Uh, John Newton wrote it back in 1779. That was a little while ago. Some of y'all were just young bucks back in that day. I'm kidding. But man, you know, God sometimes leads people to do things, write things, and preach things, whatever. And it's timeless, and God uses that. I mean, and obviously, you know. So anyway, John Newton, back in 1779, wrote this hymn about God's grace. And I'm, I'm going I'm I'm to guess right now that y'all probably know it. Here it is right here. here. Here's the first line of this hymn. Amazing grace. Exclamation point. I mean, he's shouting. People say I'm a little loud at times. You got to shout it. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch mm. like me. I once was lost, but now I'm was blind, but now I see. So you've heard that before. I know you have. In fact, what I, I kind of got caught up in a little bit about John. And he was a wretched man. Now, no, I'm not judging him. That was by his own admission. Wretched. No offense to my sailors in the house. My dad was in the Navy. But he joined the Navy as a young man. Then he tried to escape the Navy, an AWOL, or do something else. And he just started a wretched life. He said it himself. Got into all this kind of crazy business. Anyway, that's kind of the background. But it was on one day when, it, when the storm, he was at sea, everybody thought they were going to die. It's interesting. The wretched man, John Newton, who often, and by his own admission, would mock God and make fun of those that said they were Christians and followed the way of Christ. When, when he was in this storm, now he'd been on the sea lots of time, but he was in a storm that was about to just tear apart the, the boat like he'd never seen. In fact, he was working on, he was out there on the boat, and somebody took his place. Like he'd been out there in it for a while, and somebody went out there and took his place out there. And the, and the history tells us that guy that took his place, John comes back over here, I guess, in the safety of the shelter, and looks out there, and the man was killed. Just minutes later. It was in that storm and in that moment that God began to sow a seed in John's heart, and all of a sudden, he began to cry out to the Lord in his desperation. In that crazy, life-changing moment, the seeds of that song began to come to life. When he makes this statement about what? About uh, the wretchedness of him. He knew how wretched he was. He knew how lost he was. He knew how, how he had... Uh, scoffed and mocked the things of God. In his life, I mean, he had made no mistake. There was no hiding the fact of his sin. But what he was blind to was the grace of God. And in that moment, he began to see how even in that crazy moment, God spared his life. And all of a sudden now, this churning inside of him, he was overwhelmed in that moment by God's grace, even for a wretched man like him. It's a beautiful hymn, beautiful hymn. God's grace saves us. Not only that, but God's grace teaches me. God's grace teaches me. Titus 2, 11 and 12, love this passage of Scripture. The Bible says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, and it teaches us specifically to say no. 
to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. For the grace of God not only saves me, but it teaches me. It's God's grace and His graciousness and the way He reveals Himself to us. In other words, He doesn't want us just to be saved from hell or saved from our sin, but He's trying to teach us to grow up in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's a process, yes, and the fancy word is sanctification. It means to be set apart, to be made holy. Let me just be real clear. It's to be like Christ. To be like Jesus. You know, if I profess to know Jesus and I'm a, a Christ follower, God wants me to, 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 to follow Him and to resemble Him in the world in which I live. And so how do we do that? I mean, it's not just by your effort, your striding, your strength, but it's by the grace of God. This is part of God's grace being made known to us. God's grace teaches us. Teaches what us not to do, what to do. How to, how to, how to live our lives in such a way to be different in the world in which we live. You know, John saw that as well. Y'all know this. You already know this hymn. I know you do. Verse 2 says this, "'Twas grace that taught my heart." Y'all remember? To fear, thank you. Somebody out there got it. The grace, choice, grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. That's amazing, isn't it? And fear, now fear is talking about, yes, yes, fear and trepidation before the Lord if you're not a Christian, but fear and trepidation before the Lord because now I'm to live my life according to His Word and His standards. And so there's a sense of reverence and awe. But he's, the same grace creates it, but the same grace relieves it. And he says, how precious did that grace appear, the hour where I first believed. I mean, he is just caught up in this moment of reliving his testimony, how he came to know Christ. Isn't it amazing? Isn't it wonderful? I mean, I, I mean you know, I mean, let, let me just stop here and pause for just a moment. I am just thoroughly enjoying sitting down with you as families. Now, I, I know I tried the little sign-up thing and sign-up genius and all that, and some of y'all are like, I don't know how to do that. That's okay. And my phone number's in the bulletin now. You can call me. You can text me, you can email me, um, and I appreciate that. I had the joy of sitting down with five families just this week. I've got some more today that I'll spend some time with. Uh, I've already got one that I'm going to line up here real soon. So I'm going to reach out to you, but you reach out to me. Call me, text me. I know we have schedules, but it is a beautiful thing to sit down with brothers and sisters in Christ, to hear your story, and, and just, to, just to get to know each other so well. And in this moment, God's grace, what, teaches us changes us. I'll never forget when I first came to know, uh, when I gave my life to Christ in that apartment in Selma Square, apartments in Selma, Alabama. When I got up from my knees crying out to the Lord, I was raw and I didn't know anything under the sun. I mean, I honestly did not. Um, and it's a little faded now, but the only reason why I do this thing is called a Bible because it said Bible on the outside. I mean, I, I mean, I listen, I, that's how raw I was. Now, I could read. I mean, I did. I did graduate from Thompson, but I could read. And I could read it said Bible. But I had no idea what was on the inside. I never did. But when I got up off my knees on that day, I mean, I can remember it was yesterday. As of yesterday, I was 19 years old. And when I got up, two things happened. The peace of God flooded my soul, first and foremost. The second thing, something inside me. I didn't even understand the Spirit of God. didn't even understand that. Told me to go pick this thing up that was on my dresser in my room and said, read it. Why does God want us to read the Word of God? Because it teaches us. God's grace doesn't just save us from hell, but it's, it prepares us and teaches us to live my life today in, in a way that brings honor and glory to Him. Not only does God's grace teach me, 
God's grace cleanses me. Cleanses me. Here it is. Now, in the Scripture, going back to our passage, the Bible says in verse 25, God presented him, Jesus, as a sacrifice of atonement through the faith in his blood. Now, we don't have time this morning to unpack all that, but the sacrifice for atonement is clearly a reference to Leviticus 16. And the Hebrew people, which the letter here in Rome was written to the Jewish people as well as the Gentiles, but he was talking about our righteousness before God. And even God created in their nation a way to have their sins cleansed of every year. It's called the Day of Atonement. Leviticus 16. Do some reading. Go back and read that chapter. And it talks about how they would bring two goats before the Lord. And one, the, the priest would literally put his hands on him and confess the sins of God's people. And he'd run off in the desert as a way of God taking away the sins of his people, cleansing his people. The other one was slaughtered as a blood, uh, as the blood was spilt as a way of cleansing them from their sin. And we see this. What John the Baptist said of Jesus said, Look, well, the Lamb of God. This is what he says in John chapter 1, verse 29. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is our atonement. He's the one that stood in our place. He's the Lamb who was slain. For us, his blood that was spilt on Calvary cleansed us from, from literally sin that prevented us from knowing God personally. But it's not just in salvation, church. God's grace cleanses me day to day. The scripture says in 1 John 1, 7, but if we walk in the light, he's in the light and we have fellowship one with another. And look at this, the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. God's grace cleanses me, yes, from salvation and once it saves me, but He also cleanses me on a daily basis. He cleanses my heart before Him. The, he goes on in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, He says, if we confess our sins, He's not talking about the sin of salvation. He's talking about when me and you do wrong, when we mess up, when we have, have, have uh, issues with other people, whatever, whatever happens, when we do wrong and miss the mark in our daily life, the Bible says if we confess our sin, He's faithful. Who's faithful? God's faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. Beautiful picture. God's grace cleanses me in a daily basis. And I'm so grateful for that. Bob Pittman, I wrote a little devotion. I do like devotionals called Pathway to Discipleship. And on this verse, 1 John 1, 9, he makes this statement. God will use anyone who is available to him. Will you agree with that? I mean, I, I believe that. He'll use anyone. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter who you are, your background. He'll use anyone who is available to him. He's not impressed with what we can do. I hope you understand that. Don't think that God will only call you to do something because you feel like, oh yeah, I'm gifted for that. Mm -mm. God will call you to do things you're not gifted to do. He will. Don't put him in a box. He'll rip that box apart on you. No lack of talent or physical handicap renders a child of God useless. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, your abilities or inabilities. It does not matter because with God, you're able, He is able to work in and through you. However, there is one thing that causes us to be put on the shelf. Sin. Willful disobedience against the Lord. God commonly uses broken vessels but he rarely uses a dirty one. I thought that was a great statement by Bob. God 
commonly used as broken vessels, right? People who are broken before the Lord, honest before God, transparent before God. But he rarely uses a dirty one. Now, you want to tell you the good news? The good news? Listen, we all sin and miss, and miss the mark. I hope y'all understand that, right? Y'all with me? I'm not messing anybody up this morning. All right. The Bible says that we as the children of God sin. You know what the Lord does? He brings conviction into our hearts. I tell people all the time, if, you, if you're convicted of your sin when you do wrong, whether willful, whatever, when, God, when you're convicted, that's a clear evidence that you really are a child of God. I've never met a lost person that was convicted over sin. I mean, unless he's coming to faith in Christ. But I'm talking about me and you as children of God. When God breaks our heart, I mean, over the littlest thing. You know what I'm talking about? Being rude to somebody when you're driving your car. You know what I'm saying? God will get hold of you. Making a little statement to somebody, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have said. God will convict you over the little things. Right? It doesn't have to be some big thing. But that's great. That's good news. Conviction can be cleansing. That's what God wants. God's grace is in our life and in my life to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, I will say, I'm going to move on. If we're going to really confess, if we're going to really be cleansed, we've got to see it as God sees it. You can't justify your sin before the Lord. You've got to see it. That's what that means to confess. Or, 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 or let me say, it, when he says, you've done wrong. But then to confess it means that we acknowledge before the Lord that we, we agree with what you see, but we also agree what you think about this sin. And it leads us to what? Admit that we've done wrong. If you never admit that you've done wrong, you're never going to be forgiven for anything in regards to sin. And the last thing is just ask Him to forgive you. It's amazing to me how people often know they've done wrong, but they choose not to go to the one who can cleanse them from all unrighteousness. To admit before the Lord that He is the only one. To acknowledge that means to come before Him honestly, humbly, and plead for the mercy of God. God's grace cleanses me. Not only that, but God's grace sustains me. Number four. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. You know, I think old John knew something about this in, his, in the hymn. In verse 3, y'all, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to ask you to quote this one. Sometimes we don't sing verse 3. You know what I'm saying? If you're true Baptist, you're only 1, 2, and 4. Anyway. But verse 3 says this, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I think John knew something about life and about, we, we, we probably can testify as well, you know, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you have the easy street in life. Doesn't matter if you're a teenager or a young adult, older adult, doesn't matter. Difficulties, dangers, toils, snares, they come unto us. And you know what's going to help us? What's going to sustain us? God's grace. Paul came to that place in his life and he acknowledged before God. He said, God, I'm weak. But he said, no, no, no. In fact, God, Paul pleaded with him. He said, take this out of my life. He said, no, no, no. You don't understand. My grace is sufficient for you. Sufficient. So Paul changed his perspective on what was going on. He said, well, you know what? I'm going to be all the more glad about my weaknesses. Why? So that Christ's power, Christ's grace will rest on me. To God be the glory. God's grace sustains me. Last is this. God's grace prepares me. One of my favorite new passages of Scripture is probably Titus chapter 2 and 3. But anyway, in Titus chapter 2, well, how does God's grace prepare me and you? First and foremost, for the return of Christ. 
Titus 2, 13 and 14 says this, makes this statement. Uh, While we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. God's grace prepares me for his return. To God be the glory. We wait for that appearing, for that great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. But not only that, but God's grace prepares me for the reward of heaven. Now, it's interesting to think about, but look at Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 7. And he talks about, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appear, He saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through what? Through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by His grace, we might become heirs having a hope of eternal life. There is no doubt that John, the wretched man he was, when he gets to verse 4, there is no doubt heaven is on his mind and in his heart. God's grace prepares us not only for the return of Christ, keeps us focused on what we ought to be doing for the Lord, but it also prepares us for heaven. What do I mean by that? Listen to the last verse. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise when, when we first begun. What are we going to do in heaven? We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to sing glory, hallelujah to the Lord. You're probably going to humble yourself before God and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. How long? As long as He wants. It doesn't matter. It's not about me and you. It's about Him and His glory. God's people glorify the Lord. That's why we worship. That's why we gather together to worship And to call upon His name. Hallelujah. We'll keep doing it forever and ever and ever. A.W. Tozer, uh, in one of his books, made a little comment about John Bunyan. If you know anything about John, he wrote a story about his life. He wrote a little like a a testimony of his, his life story. The title of his book was Grace Abounding Toward the Chief of Sinners. So John kind of looked at himself. He honestly believed that he was the man who had the least right to the grace of God. You know, Paul used that same comment in the Scripture. Grace abounded. Grace abounded. Tozer goes on to say, For us who stand under the disapproval of God, who by sin lie under the sentence of God's eternal, everlasting displeasure and banishment, grace is incomprehensible, immense, and overwhelmingly abundant. Of kindness and goodness. Oh my goodness. If we could only remember that. Day in and day out. By God's grace. By God's grace we've been saved. But by God's grace we live. And by God's grace we continue on and on. Tozer goes. If we could just only remember that day by day. We wouldn't have to be. Played with and entertained so much. As a culture. Now Tozer wrote back in the 50's. Of the last century. God's grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. I'm going to ask our praise team if you will come up at this time. Going to lead us here. We're going we're to sing a song of response here in just a moment. And I really want us, our hearts and our minds, to turn to the Lord and to His grace. His grace. God's grace is so amazing, so wonderful. 
Father, right now, in the precious name of Jesus Christ, we just want to say thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace that is so amazing, so precious. God, I pray that you would renew our hearts today as we, God, as we gather today, as we go to life groups, as we're involved here, gather together here. God, just work in our hearts. Remind us of your grace that has been demonstrated in your incredible wealth and riches and kindness in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand with me, church, if you will. They're going to lead us in a song of response, and as they begin to lead us, I just want you to take a moment. Take a moment and just let your eyes fix heavenward and praise your heavenly Father. Lift high the holy name of Jesus Christ as we sing this song together.